Welcome to Profitable Powerhouse Properties with the AHI Group. I am Jonathan Cook. And I'm Brian Jenkins. Uh, Today, Brian, uh, let's talk about some more properties. That's what we talk about here. Yeah, that's our language. That's what we speak every day. Yeah, I think uh, last episode we were talking about some cash flow properties. We were talking about how to make money off these properties. And, And I think the specific examples we used were something that we, I know we said it at at the beginning of our podcast, we talked about these were C-class properties. Yeah. And I think you mentioned maybe even coming from D to C. Yeah, they definitely. Neighborhoods. We talked about that a little bit. Um, and those price points were, you know, 20s to 50s up, up to, you know, eventually ending in probably 100. Yeah. Is, is like kind of your cap in that, that, that region for what those would have been for specifically in that area. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you, if you, if you talk in generalization in our markets, I think that uh, you know a, a nicely rehabbed, whether it was the twenty-two thousand sure. that ended up being nicely rehabbed, that was certainly not the it's not the, the norm. value of the property. Sure. Right? I mean, after the fact, the, the value is considerably higher than that. However, I, I think a good just generalization is kind of that you know I'm going to say what we normally see is going to be that seventy seventy-five to about a hundred. 105 window, maybe 110 okay. on the high end for sure. C class. I agree. And probably closer to the 100 for C because you start kind of crossing that line into a B classification property once yeah. you're getting above $100,000. I, I, I agree with that. And I think it's important to say, even though it seems very clear, like, well, why would I spend more than 50 if this 50 can make me 1%? I could buy two of those. That's I could right. buy three of those. That's right. And all and all three fifty thousand dollar properties are making me six hundred dollars a month. That's over one percent. The numbers on that, Brian. The numbers on that. Why would I buy one property well, at one hundred fifty? I mean, we work with folks that you know they may have lines of credit for. Let's say I know one client we have has individualized lines of credit up to two fifty, right? Sure, and absolutely. not just total. That's not a summation. No. That's per. Yeah. Okay. So, but their strategy is they may buy one house if it's in that under two fifty or under. Sure. But then again, they may buy four or five houses. Absolutely. Within that, so there's diversification within their <clears throat> portfolios. Absolutely. And uh, you know, one of the things that we focus on within our management portfolio is diversifying that. So yeah. we that's how we come to this discussion that we have A classification properties, B classifications, and C classifications, and what we manage in single family. Mm-hmm. So we kind of want to just describe what those are to us and, and push that information down to our listeners. And why is it, because the reality is this, Brian, why is it that even though we've just talked about how there's so much money in these C-class properties, why is it that the majority of the properties that we honestly manage are B and A? How is how is that how is that the reality of the situation? Is we, we well, the real, with, I can tell you the reality of our situation. And, sure. Uh, and... and the school of thought amongst professional property managers across the country is to diversify that. So the reason you want to diversify your portfolio is to weather the storms that come. And what happens when the C-class properties dry up? They're no longer out okay. there available for purchase by investors, mm-hmm. for rehab, for investor-to-investor sales, whatever that looks like. We've watched a foreclosure market just boom and then yeah. more or less dry up, yeah. right? So. The, excess supply down to minimal supply. Mm-hmm. So the same thing can happen in C-class properties and then B-class and then 
A classification. A classifications, you know, we started off with our own individual company. We were mirroring our corporate housing company. So we purposely went into and we got started buying our own portfolio initially. Yeah. We did that for a couple of years before we managed anything for anyone else. Yeah. And what we were doing there was we were buying A class properties to do leasebacks to corporations and fully furnish those and provide lawn service and lawn chemicals and maid service. Mm-hmm. Crazy, great turnkey service. But just providing that back to a lease back to a corporate executive. Sure. So those are all A classification properties. And we bought those knowing that we were going to have, actually, we went into it with a seven-year hold strategy. And then we were planning to resell those. Well, seven years from when we bought them, brought us right into 07 and 08. So it didn't quite work out. So, And the idea behind our investment strategy was to leave some meat on the bone for the next investor, Yeah, leave system lifespan on the table for mm-hmm. the next investor. So we had to kind of reset our clock and we did that. We mm-hmm. went to another seven year cycle on those properties and we started having to buy new roofs, new HVAC, new water heaters. So that, that forced us to reset those clocks. And along the way, now we've decided to hold some of those longer. So then you're looking at properties built in the late 90s, early sure. 2000s. And all of a sudden, you're having to upgrade those to keep those at an A level. Absolutely. Right? So you're having to change out light fixtures and plumbing fixtures, finishes throughout, paint finishes, carpet yeah. types, flooring types, you know, you name it. So so that's, that's an A classification property. B is, to me, B is a sweet spot because you okay. get equity gain. And I own some B property. Okay. But you get an equity gain component and you get some monthly cash flow. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of what we just talked about earlier. You get into that, low end of that looks like about 105000 mm-hmm. And then we're talking about 1%. We talked about that last episode. So, let's, let's look at what a B property looks like just briefly. Now, how often do you, are you getting 1% on a B? On a B, uh, depending on the price point range. I know okay. in our local markets, we can typically pull that off. I think we can. Up to it. about, we'll say about $150,000 property. True. So, yeah. And beyond that, it starts skewing downward. So sure. you're, you're losing off your one percent rule. But and now losing off one percent rule doesn't it's necessarily. Not it's not bad, right? I need. I want that. But you're you're gaining the equity. You're gaining the equity. That's the plus that. side. Absolutely. When you go to resale. Sure. Yeah. So that's that's the B class property, and that that uh, those properties are going to be, you know, they're going to be solid property, and typically, just to give you. Just a clean example of a B-class property is going to be a 3-2 garden home because the the two baths, you're not looking at the ones or the ones and a half Mm -hmm. that were built back in the 50s and 60s, and that was the norm. Small closets. I mean, that's a C-class property. You're coming into a newer property that's got more square footage, better amenities. They're designed typically, if if it's the 3-2 garden home example we're Mm -hmm. talking about, it's got a two-car garage. And in the South, we love brick. So mm-hmm. it's a brick finish. You're not having to worry about a lot of excess paint expense. You've got vinyl clad eaves and fascia. You've got gutters on the homes. There we go. Hang on. All right. Gutters. Interesting topic. Interesting topic. Let's talk about gutters for a while, guys. Okay. So we're, we're putting our property manager hats on. Right? We're putting our property manager hats okay. on. I'm going to throw mine actually on physically right now. So let's jump back to these C properties. And you, you, you had mentioned... The houses have three and one, three ones, and three one and a half with the smaller closets that were built in, say, the fifties and the sixties, and blah blah blah. And we just talked about on the last episode how how there's beautiful so many, bathrooms, beautiful bathrooms, beautiful goodness bathrooms. gracious, with the pink tile and the the teal. <laughs> but we talked about how those, those, yeah, that's a lot of money. That's that one percent. You can buy a bunch of them, making those one yeah. percent. What is that? We just talked about the small differences in just the the design. 
But what is something else that's going to come with those C properties, Brian, that let's get to gutters? What happens if, if a house is built in 1950? We'll start at gutters. We'll start at gutters? All right, we'll start what at gutters. happens if you buy a house that was built in 1950, doesn't have gutters? Let's say you live in Alabama. Let's say it rains. You don't it's, have gutters. Uh, I think it's going to rain for the next week, by the way. So we're going to, uh, I saw a projection today. It's like seven inches of rain coming. <sighs> That's going to be so much crazy. Fun. Good yeah. thing I have boots. Yeah. If you don't have gutters, because most, a lot of these homes, like an right. astoundingly large number of these homes, have no gutters on them. Whether they started with them or not. Sure. And, and chances are they didn't back then. Sure. So the, the first telltale sign, obviously, when you have no gutters, some of the things you deal with is, is just the, the rain edge is dropping the, the rainwater straight off the roof, straight yeah. onto the ground, basically creating a small trench directly below the roof line. Yeah. And with that, you know, if it's it's near a front door or whatever the case might be, and a lot of these don't have garages, they've Correct. got carports or they've got driveway parking, your your residence getting wet and miserable. Yeah. So during a heavy rain downpour. Yeah. So Maintenance wise, you're you're getting that trench line that you're seeing in your. And if they're walking from a driveway into the house, where's that water going? That they oh, just... it's going right into the house. Yeah, right? it is. Yeah, yeah. So, but then they say they got carpet, they got hardwoods. You know, oh. kind of go back to our LVP discussion. Oh, that, that's a great rehab product. Yes, right? it is. So you're protecting against that wet mm-hmm. that wetness coming in on your floor. Correct. But we, you know, the other thing you need to be mindful of, and you can speak to this as well, but. The uh, the potential foundation damage yeah. gutters with gutters you can use downspouts mm-hmm. and you can use extensions to get the water away from the foundation and that's that's a thing that I mean if, if you've owned a property and you've had to have any sort of French drains built and stuff like that you understand this problem when water keeps going in one one spot it digs out this giant trench and eventually if it's right next to your house what's what's your house sitting on foundation yeah. Yeah, that it's water, gonna make its way in. It's gonna wick or it's just come gonna straight do in. Something. Yeah. And it's and it's gonna it's gonna over the life of the property cause some issues. Right. And now let's say that you bought this house. It was built in nineteen fifty. The life of that house has already been over fifty years, sixty yeah. years. Yeah. So it's had sixty years of potentially no gutters. Water hitting well, that foundation. It could be a major Maybe. expense too, because we've seen some, you know, we've done a lot of corrections. Yeah. And, uh, and so this $20,000 property. Yeah. Or $50,000 property. And then you're spending, you know, ten dollars or $15,000 on foundation repairs. Absolutely. So you're, more, so that's, that's why these C class properties, even though on paper, numbers wise, if you just go buy it, rent it, sell it, those numbers make a lot of sense. Those right. numbers make like, how would you not do this? Well, these are your issues. This is why. You need someone to help you say, hey, that's great, but let's also diversify. Let's get something yeah, that you're not so, going to have these ridiculous maintenance yeah, issues. So it's then we're talking, we're, we're still talking on gutters. I mean, we're, we're yeah. talking about a small thing that can Very produce small. such a big problem. So, and, and obviously it's not only the gutter. It's no, it's in not. in conjunction with some other things. It's tons but, of stuff. So let's talk gutters. So from my property manager's yeah. chair, okay? Yeah. So... It is my opinion you don't want your gut, you don't want your tenant up on a ladder cleaning your gutters. But why not, Brian? I've got I've got gutters and I live in the south and I've got John Smith's on the ladder. He's not very coordinated. He I've got falls trees. off of that ladder. Uh, well, hits the ground. Next thing you know, he's filing a lawsuit against you. Well, I didn't put him up on that ladder. No, but it's your property. Oh man, and they're probably suing me too because I'm associated with the property, <laughs> so, uh, suing our company. So, so anyways, that's 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 one thing. Well, how do we? How do you, what, what is the solution to that, Brian? Like, that makes sense. Right, so, solution. It. So, let's just say it. you just say you don't have a solution. You just know you don't want John Smith up on the ladder. No, you don't. Gutters, you don't okay? want your tenant on the ladder. So, then what happens? So, then gutters get clogged with leaves. Okay. Because so they what, are. What happens That's there? So, then it creates backflow 
And I've seen Back to that. my maintenance issues. I've yeah. got foundation issues now. Well, foundation issues. Got roof I've issues. also seen it to where we picked up properties that weren't properly maintained. Mm-hmm. Water was backflowing into the walls and into the interior of the property, causing yes, mold and mildew and rot and oh, just my gosh. oh my gosh, extensive floor damage on those nice hardwoods that were original chimneys. It's up around the chimneys. Yeah, crazy stuff. Cool. So flashings and you know all that stuff works together. So the maintenance of those needs to be built in, and that needs to be part of the investors expenses each yeah. year. You need to just build it in automatically, take care of it. Don't try to save a buck there. Uh, it's it's not going to be worth it. It's going to cost you in the long run. Do you remember in the very first episode we talked about, there's a lot more stuff that it come, that that comes with owning properties that are making money than yeah. just buying a house, putting a tenant in it, or selling it. Yeah. These are those little things, guys. This is... Uh, well, these are the little things because you're living in your home and yeah. you're not you're not necessarily worried about your rental property in Alabama. Correct. Your house looks good. You've got your gutters clean. You're maintaining it, but just the little things. And we talked about filter easy and HVAC. I mean, all there there are dozens upon dozens this, of these things. This goes back to those preventative maintenance issues, but it also goes back to the reality of like you you don't have to you don't lay your eyes on the property all the time. No, but you want to budget those items in to make sure they're, they're going to be coming out. This so. is, this is part of. You now own property. You want it to make money for you. Well, you have to take care of that. And that's where we want to educate you so you don't have these surprise. What do you mean it cost me $75 to get my gutters clean? Why do I need my gutters clean? Yeah. yeah. Well, so because you do a tenant responsibility. The tenant should get up there with a ladder. There's a ladder in that garage last time I was there. Yeah. So, well, so that's, I think we could beat that horse to death, but the truth of the matter is it's vitally important. Yeah. So we'll go, and I think where you were going with that originally, so C-classification properties yeah, this is exactly, don't have gutters. Yeah, they don't. B-class and A-class, they all have gutters. And it's not just, we're not just talking about yeah. gutters here. And That's it not what makes you a B-class. Honestly, I've seen so much. I mean, it's like our like our office building here. Yeah. We have no trees directly around us, mm-hmm. but we still have to have our gutters clean because stuff just flies through the air. Yeah, it does. Hundreds of feet. It's crazy how stuff gets in oh. the gutters. And it can clog them up. So you just need to make sure that's a part of your normal maintenance mm-hmm. routine. But uh, gutters aren't all that makes class, not, uh, a property a B-class. They're not. It's, but newer properties are going to have gutters for the convenience of keeping the, yeah. keeping the water away from the, the residents. Yeah. And splash I shields think, or gutters. And I think that's what we're getting to here. The newer the property. Yeah, that, are the amenities. A lot, of, a lot of the properties that are going to be your Bs and your As, just because of the nature of the way things work, those are probably going to be a lot. They're going to be newer a lot of the time than right. a lot of your C glass properties. That's right. Which means, which still, I'm going to keep my property manager hat on because you know I can I can talk both sides. Maybe I'll turn it sideways. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Right sideways on, now. Right on. We're not we're not a video <laughs> podcast, guys. But my hat literally just turned sideways, yeah. and I look so cool. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. So we'll keep it in in the perspective from the property manager. So. Main differences between the properties, other than what we've set up structurally mm. with the price points, is the maintenance load. Yes. So you take a property that's built in the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. okay? So then you're dealing with lead-based paint disclosure. You're yeah. dealing with older building materials, old foundations, products that were developed for that time frame. Galvanized steel pipe that's yeah, been there yeah. since 1950. Yeah, I mean, I, we can we could spend a whole episode on Then we plumbing. will. Plumbing. I mean, you can you can put new fixtures in and then your just your core plumbing is just terrible. Absolutely. Water pressure drainage issues sure. all across the board. So, aside from that, so you've got the building products that are not up to today's standards mm-hmm. and even the B classification properties. If you're looking at a property, maybe it's even built in the 80s. But sure. You're fast forwarding from the 50s to the 80s, 30 years mm-hmm. or the 90s or newer. Mm-hmm. You're looking at those products and the building products have gotten better. They've learned yes. a lot as they've built and as homes have aged and in different climates and weather conditions. Mm-hmm. 
So there's a lot that goes into that. But I can tell you statistically, the maintenance numbers for a C-class property are much higher yeah. than a B-class. And a B-class is higher than an A-class. Absolutely. So it's in what I mentioned earlier, we were talking about vinyl-clad soffit yeah. and fascia. Mm-hmm. It's, it's designed so that, A, you don't have to paint it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to caulk it. Correct. It's not going to rot. Mm-mm. You know, all those things. You're going to have with carpenter the, bees. With, yeah. With no carpenter bees with brick exterior. You're not having to paint. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have wood windows, there's another alternative to that yeah. with vinyl windows. Absolutely. So we do that in the South as well. Uh, so you could get you could really lower your, your expense costs because every in the South with the baking sun and everything. Yeah. You know, on a house that has to be painted, you're looking at, you know, worst case scenario, five years. I'd say seven is a good medium. Yeah, it is. So you need to address it because, you know, your caulking shrinks up, allows water in around mm-hmm. the windows and, you know, just a variety of different things yeah. going on. And when it comes to the, the sun fading and repainting and stuff like that, that I mean, that's that's part of if you have a tenant in there and they are in there for five years, that's great. Yeah. But eventually you're going to have to remarket it. And that. again, it's not your tenant responsibility. It's not your tenant responsibility. That's normal wear and tear. Correct. That's, that's part of being And eventually property. you're going to have to remarket a property because the tenant's yeah. probably going to leave eventually. Seven, five, seven years, something. They're going to be out of it. You're not going to have a lifetime tenant. So you're going to have to remarket the property. And yeah. curb appeal matters our, our when average, it comes to that time. That's right. Our average tenant stays with us three years. Sure. So you figure every three years you're going to have to, you know, or, or less, Do you're going to have to flip this property yeah. around. So, And then, you know, if you've got a stained door that faces the sun, oh, we've got a really nice house we own that's just a, a property. But Man, we have to paint, we have to restain that door every single year just because it takes a beating. Hey, everybody. Brian and Jonathan here. We just want to interrupt and tell you about one of our sister companies, the Birmingham Insurance Group. Cash flow is what matters, and to maximize cash flow, an investor needs their broker to know their industry. Birmingham Insurance Group, aka Big, does just that by specializing in the single-family residential rental market with customized products to fit investors' needs. Providing 24-7 online access, you can pay your bill, add or remove properties, issue certificates, and much more, day or night. And best yet, they're available in all 50 states, so don't hold back on buying those rental properties. Reach out to Richard Davis and his team today at BIG and see what they can do for you. You can reach them at 205-616-1107 or online at bhaminsgroup.com. So here we are. We're now at this point. Why are you buying? Why is it, Brian, you own a B-class property yourself, right? A few, yeah. Why do you you own a B-class property and an A-class property? What is your benefits to, to that other than a C? And I think that's what we've been talking about. Right. It's because of maintenance. And it's so if I've got a property. It's it's less headache. Okay. Okay. Let's uh, talk about yours. Let me just let's throw talk, let's think this about is a really, property. This is really an A class property okay. in an A class neighborhood. So I've got a house that's a four, two and a half mm-hmm. it's brick, two story mm-hmm. construction. It is a slab property with a two car garage. So okay. attached two car garage. Beautiful neighborhood. Uh, convenient to everything. I mm-hmm. mean, just uh, south of town, five minutes from the mall, two minutes from the interstate. Okay. Uh, just a great location. And all the amenities of the surrounding community around it. So okay. medical, shopping, restaurants, you name it. It's great. all there. Great school systems. Mm-hmm. I think we've owned this property now for about a decade. And just off the cuff, 
I would say that we've had no more than 60 down days total over okay. 10 years. Okay. And is it making you 1%, Brian? No, it is not. Okay. So we, we got a great deal on it. Uh, okay. Situation, we bought it from an estate. So somebody had passed away. Okay. The house was in the estate. Uh, there was still a surviving family member. They ended up selling it to us. But we got the property basically 50000 below market. Wow. And we still paid... I'm going to say 225. It was either 225 or 227. Mm-hmm. This house leases out the lowest rent it's had in a decade has been $1,700 a month. The mm-hmm. highest rent we've gotten out of it in, in a decade is $1,850. Mm-hmm. Okay. So $1,850. So it's not meeting the 1%. No. Uh, but you're, you're covering it's Oh, yeah. It's covering expenses. plus it's allowing us to bank sure. some. Uh, the way we do, I personally handle those type properties in that particular LLC is we just bank the money mm-hmm. and we just leave the money in there yeah, for all the maintenance expenses absolutely. that come up and taxes and things along those sure. lines. So, well, how is that How is that kind of a property going to make you money in the long run? What is, in, what is the long, your... in the long run, what it's going to do is when I resell that property, yeah. everything around it is still gaining in equity mm-hmm. and resale value. The same neighborhoods, the closest homes are building are starting to 500000 Yeah. So I've got a house I paid, say, two twenty-five for. Sure. now starting at five hundred and up. And even if you can't sell it for five hundred, yeah, it's not going to sell for five hundred. But, but you'll it, get it's, your. It's constantly pulling the value. Yeah. up. Just just for having, you know, you got a new brand new house over here for five hundred, but sure. you can live half a mile away in a property that you might buy for three fifty or sure. seventy five. Absolutely. And and over the time of you owning this property, it's it's basically costing you nothing. Right, right. So you're, you're not out anything. Yeah, no. My, my my tenants are actually paying our mortgage down yeah. for us. So so. so that is that strategy. That strategy works. Let's explain. Yeah, that's how a low that class can... flow in an equity game. Yeah. So you can experience that on a B class property or an A class property. And this is different than than what you see on your TLCs buying and flipping a house. Those, yes. Those people are that those shows, man. I think they, they give a now lot. Now see of... the buying the sell side of that would have been find the deal at two twenty five. I yeah. bought it fifty under market, so turn around and put it back on the market with nothing done yeah, to with it. With nothing done to it. For two seventy five. And I think a lot of the I think a lot of the general public thinks, all right, if I buy a house and it's $50,000 under market, they think they can buy it and put a new kitchen in there and do that because that's what they see on the TV, but put a new kitchen in there. We got to have granite, got to put granite, granite countertops in there. I'm going to spend all this money to make this house a designer house. Now this house is designer. Now I can, I've put in $75,000 retail, resell it or live in it. Now I'm going to retail, resell it because I've seen this on TV now. And I put seventy five thousand into it, and all those shows they come out making fifty, so I'm going to add fifty on top of it. But so I bought it at two twenty five. I put seventy five in it. I'm at three hundred now. I got to make fifty thousand dollars profit. Then I'm at three fifty. Now I'm going to sell this house for three hundred fifty thousand dollars, Brian. Which and I've a only decade spent, ago you couldn't have done. No, no, no. no. But now, now it's sell it for three fifty. What else Don't is the market pull? Yeah. What, what's the market pull? But let, let's say you've done it all when that when you purchased that property ten years ago. Right. Could you have sold it for three fifty in no. that? Because the market didn't the hold market, that. Yeah, the market didn't hold doesn't matter that. how much money you put into it. Right. If the market doesn't hold that. Well, and your buyer, retail buyer is going to finance. And sure. the appraisals. Obviously, the appraisals aren't going to work. Yeah. Right. Because of the comparable houses around it. Right. Because nowadays, houses nowadays are built in, in neighborhoods. They're not just in one individual home that that's a unique house that you can do all this crazy stuff to. Yeah. Maybe in different yeah. markets. Maybe there's still some markets that you can do that. But normally, you're building a neighborhood. If, if every house in the neighborhood has essentially the same floor plan, but hey, yours has the nicest stuff, great. It, it, it'll sell first, probably, if it has the nicest stuff, yeah. but it's not going to sell for 
absorbently above market value. No. I, and what I find in a lot of those cases, mm-hmm. it's the amenities that draw the person in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and sometimes you can do amenities that don't necessarily add a lot of resale value True. back to it. It just makes your home more appealing than the yeah. house next door to you. So. And so that's where this strategy, I think, is buying A and C is not buy it and flip it. It's buy it, put your put your money into it slowly over time if you have to. But but that how you make money in these is you hold them, keep where it costs you nothing. Right. That's how you make money into it. Is now I have this property that in ten years we're talking about the higher the higher rent. You know, I mean, you're working with a property management firm, and and maybe the criteria is like ours where they have to. You know, they have to net out a minimum of three times the rent amount. Mm-hmm. So if you take a house that's $500, you know, it's a $1,500 paycheck sure. to your renter. If you take a property that's $2,000, that's $6,000 of income. Yeah. Them, right. So there's, you know, we talked about maintenance. So we're talking about higher income, you know, and again, we're going to apply the same standards across every classification of property. So we, we have it at a certain level at move-in, and that's setting an expectation level for our tenants to maintain at that level or above. So, and it so, works. So, with an A-grade, B-grade property, they are already starting with a nicer qual- finishes, a nicer, finishes yeah. nicer quality yeah. property. And so... Well, and this, this hit on HOAs. Sure. So you're going to see an HOA present definitely in an A-class Absolutely property. Absolutely, you are. And sometimes in B-class properties. A lot of the time. So, we're going to switch back and put our property manager hats back on. Yep. Okay. And then we're going to talk to our investor client owner about HOAs. And what is what is that? What's the benefit of an HOA? What's the takeaways of an HOA? So let's start with the benefits of an HOA. Okay. So an HOA means that you've got a governing body in charge of your neighborhood. And that's they're enforcing rules and regulations and standards on the individual homeowner and the tenant. Which is going to keep the value of the entire that's right. area. That's right. At a, it's, it's, it's not going to. Drop below a certain area. That's right. That's what the 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 yards are going to be mowed. Yeah, they're not going to be full of weeds. You're not going to have cars on jacks. You're not going to have, you know, your neighbor painting their door for fluorescent green. Sure. Um, Or parking in your driveway. Yeah. Or parking in the yard. Parking in the yard. Parking in the street. Yeah. Crazy stuff. So there's a lot of enforcement that goes on. Mm -hmm. And the thing that people don't understand is when you buy the property, you could buy the property that's in an HOA. Mm -hmm. The moment you close on the property. You are bound by the yeah. the guidelines required, the rules and regs of the HOA, the covenants and conditions. Yeah, it's yours. It's yours, whether but, you've read it and agree to it or not. But the same thing goes if you lease the property out, mm-hmm. the tenant is also bound by those HOA mm-hmm. rules and regs and covenants and restrictions. Just because it's your property doesn't mean you yeah. can. And part of what we do is property put a propeller on we it. intake those properties. We get a copy of that. Yeah. We present it to the tenant. They have to sign off that they've read and understood it. So what does all that mean? Well, fast forward and you get an HOA violation notice. You know, we have gone, when we signed the property up, we've gone and made it known that we're the property manager for the homeowner. Mm -hmm. And the HOAs, if there's a problem, please contact us. We can expedite getting those problems taken care of. So we have mechanisms within our lease agreements to deal with that with the tenants. And uh, and so we, we deal with it for you. You don't have to deal with it. We have some homeowners that HOAs will send a notification to the homeowner. That's yeah. fine. Just turn around and send them back to us. We'll True. deal with the tenant. Mm-hmm. And then we have finding mechanisms, stuff built into the lease to deal with that. So we've made them known. They send us a notice. And, hey, 
He's parking on the edge of the grass consistently. Mm-hmm. Not allowed to park in the street. Or sure. I, I loved your version because I've actually had yeah. this happen to me personally. When I went out of town, uh, unfortunately, for an unfortunate situation, I had my trash can out on yep. the street. Well, because you left you left before Tuesday, yeah, and Tuesday's yeah, yeah. trash pickup. Come back on Thursday, but that's two days too late to get oh, my trash can man. back on site. So, uh, so you get that notification from the compliance uh, of the HOA, whether it's a management company or the HOA yeah. themselves, just making it known. We, we had it. It was, I got one sent to me. It was day of, basically. They, yeah. they left there. And, and the tenant was, I mean, they left it out there. But we got we got the notification the, the day that it was out there too long. Luckily, because we we get these from, we make that relationship known with that HOA. Yeah. They, yeah. they sent it to us. We put, I, the, we put the tenants on notice at a re-inspection I date. texted that yeah. tenant right when, I, right when that popped up. I was like, hey... Can you go bring your trash can in? And they're like, I just forgot, man. I'm sorry. They went out there and handled it right then. There was no fine. Nothing needed to handle. That was because it wasn't having to mail to me. I wasn't three states away. Right. I'm not the owner that had to wait and get this mailed to them. And, hey, now it's already been sitting out there. And now you owe $25 for a trash can sitting out in the front yard or 50 or whatever it is. Yeah. And they, yeah, they all have fine sure. fees. but. Is it that they want to make money off the fines? No, they just want to make sure that they want the trash can off the street, adhering to the standards. Right? Yeah. So, and that's that's the benefit of an HOA. Sure. I think it. Uh, some HOAs, you know, there's some horror stories out there. They get just a big head of being in power and that sort of thing. But but overall, the uh, the underlying factor is they want to make sure everybody's complying, that all the properties are uniform in mm-hmm. appearance, the standards are being upheld. So that's that's the benefit of an HOA. But you know, one of the questions that comes up when we talk to owners, as you know, is, well, I've got HOA dues. Who pays those? Does tenant pay those or do I pay those? Mm-hmm. Uh, our stand is that the owner pay those because yeah. the owner it's to the owner's benefit yeah, and uh, not not to the tenant's benefit. Correct. So, But, um, so but that's, that's something that I think you need to be aware of. Yeah, when, it's when, an expense. You need to it build is. it in. Yeah, you need but to budget that in. how much is an HOA due compared to your foundation has run it out from below you because yeah. again, let's go back to what well, we started with. So C-grade, an example I always like to use and uh, cause I used to, you know, I signed all our clients up initially before hiring great people like Jonathan. But you know, one of the things is chemical lawn service on your, particularly on your A and B oh, class properties. If you don't have that chemical service in place. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the span of one lease term, your yard can turn from golf course green to full of weeds. And uh, you, you have more experience with that than yeah. I Yeah. Uh, well, the reality is when it comes to weeds, lawn maintenance, when it comes to chemicals, is if you miss a pre-emergence, a pre-emergent treatment, which is generally before, what that's doing is it's stopping the weeds from germinating and coming up through the ground in springtime, which means the pre-emergent doesn't get put down in springtime when, when things are popping up and looking crazy. It's put down in the winter. It's put down in December when nothing's growing anywhere. That's why you need management to continuously do that sort of thing. That, that needs to be handled all year. It doesn't, need, it doesn't need to be handled afterwards. It needs to be handled beforehand. That's, well, and that's that's the key point. So if you if you rely on a tenant to do that for you, they're not it's done. not going to get done. No. It's hard enough to get a tenant to mow the grass, quite honestly. And absolutely, in, in the way that you want it done as a home sure. homeowner. So building that in again, that's an expense you need to you need yeah. to allocate and you need to account for. But what it can affect, I mean, the old standard used to be it would affect your resale value a minimum of fifteen percent. Sure, and I can see that. But the bigger thing is the the curb appeal. Yes. That's the instantaneous Absolutely, advantage or disadvantage to you. And, and curb appeal, it's not just about retailing your home in the future. It's about tenants, marketing, 
selling to an investor. There's every aspect of curb appeal. Well, it's just like buying that bright, shiny object. What, oh, my what gosh. What draws the attention? So if you You've, pull up to one that's nicely manicured and chemically treated, and the one next door has got grass that's knee high and there's sticks in the yard, and you know they're going to take the one that's manicured. Yeah. Even, Absolutely. Even if everything else was apples same. to apples. The same. Absolutely. Well, why would I take that one over this one? This Absolutely. one is... So that's, so that's kind of some of the advantages of HOA. So, yeah. you know, the non- And that's some of the advantages of a B and A class property. That, that's right. That's right. That's why you buy those. Yep. Is there going to be, in the end... I've seen HOAs issue notices for, hey, you, got, you need to paint the house. Yeah. And to paint the mailbox. Mailbox is rusty. You know, yeah. things of that nature. So it's always focused on uniformity, upholding the standards, and ultimately the value of your property because it affects the value of the property around you. Yeah. So, And that's what I think the key that we were starting with is why, why buy an A or B over a C? And I think part of it is the maintenance cost over time. Yeah. Different, definitely that's going to make a big difference. And in your B classes, you still might be making that 1%. Maybe not, maybe close, but but still you're not you're – not, yeah, it might be at point nine. Or might be point nine. So depending on but what you're going to have are. less maintenance. Right. Less maintenance over time because it's a generally a newer property. When you get to your A's, are you making your one percent? No. I mean, but you're still going to prop most of the time. I mean, the, the you're, you're banking that equity. You're banking that equity. That's that's the that's the difference in the goals of these strategies, and that's why I think it's very important. You have to diversify what you're looking for. If you have all long term buy and hold all equity-based properties, you're going to run out of cash. Yeah. If, you, if you have five or six of those, you're going to run out of you're going yeah, to run it, out it of purchasing power. It takes more to purchase those because yeah. the purchase prices are higher. And yeah, maybe in you know, 10... Payment requirements are higher. Yeah, absolutely. So. And in 10 years, sure, you might be able to bank yeah. a whole lot of money. Yeah. But in that meantime, you're sitting there going, oh, I'm just twiddling my thumbs. But at the same time, I don't think, you know, back to strategy, I don't think you have to put all of your eggs in one basket. Not at all. That's You can diversify that. Yeah. Uh, that's what we're alluding to. You can buy some of each. You can buy all in one. Or mm-hmm. you can buy one in A, one in C, or, you know, whatever combination you like. But just know what your strategy is and whether you and set up individualized LLCs or whatever, whatever your your tax person might recommend to you, your real estate attorney, just set those up and knowing what you're getting into and which ones fit into what buckets. Absolutely. And that's and I think that's that's how you have to look at it, is they're all different strategies. You have to be aware of each strategy. And that's a great benefit of having boots on the ground where you're owning these properties, what you're doing, is having someone there to be able to support you yeah. and advise you on those strategies. Cause it's really difficult to know the best strategy for each class. It's really difficult to know what, right. what is the best way to handle this. Well, a lot of it depends on your partner, I think, your partnership, yeah. because, uh, you know, we talked about us being unique because we have corporate housing mm-hmm. side to our business. But with that comes marketing to HR departments. Yes. Employers, you know, and HR departments for those big employers, local universities, things that we're, we're looking at and they're coming to us for leasing of not just the short-term stuff, but the longer-term stuff. Now, short-term stuff's a whole different episode. Yep. We could talk about why that can be a good thing for you. But we, you know, we focus on different aspects. So we have we have that available potential tenant that a normal management company would not necessarily have in that respect. And then we can do your traditional tenants, and then we can do your Section Eight. And one of my favorite stories is, you know, we, as you know, we've got in Birmingham now. I think we have. 
three C-class properties. Oh, yeah. on Corporate rentals with our corporate housing company as the tenant. Uh, we have been for the last two years on a large project going on in the city here. And, I mean, they've got furnished, they've got lawn service, they've got maid service. So we're in the properties all the time seeing what's going on and, and condition and all that. And they're getting premium rents on it. Mm-hmm. So just a just a great blend of, of, uh, of product. And that's not normally you, not, that's not normally something you see in C-class <laughs> properties no. so, with leasing. So, But I hope this has been uh, educational and helpful today. And uh, yeah. any, any last thoughts before we wrap up? You know, I think back to the the biggest key issue I think with, with today the, the biggest key point is is don't is keeping people from just focusing on one thing with with any any kind of investment it's don't put all your eggs in one basket yeah and I think that's important to look at and having someone there and that might be a longer term goal I think you need sure. to know you're going in that direction when you get started yeah doesn't mean you have to jump right into that direction mm-hmm. I think you can start off in one direction sure. just know your end goal is going to be right. diversification well you can only do I mean some people can only do one at a time right that's right and, and, and that's that's fine but you have to have someone there that can help you advise if yeah. you if you end up with if you end up going down one one path but then like you don't see those pitfalls coming up because you don't know about it. And just, and just, just know, know also, it depends on the marketplace. Absolutely. So an example of that is, you know, if you had a $350,000 house sitting out on five acres of land in a small rural community that didn't have necessarily an employment base sure. to support that type of income, and then you might just get one or two potential tenants, that, that property is going to sit on the market yep. longer mm-hmm. to secure the right tenant for it. And not have to set, you know, you don't have to settle for putting someone that doesn't have the income or the experience with a large house like that sure. and maintaining it. So marketplace is going to drive what you're doing a lot. So and the opportunities there, you know, the speed at which it can be leased and the quality of, of, uh, of potential tenants. Yeah. So but that's where you're going to rely on your local partner. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I think it boils down to is, is make sure that you have good partners in place. You need to have good systems in place. You need to have. Don't try and do this alone. I mean, you can, but that you're going to run. It's painful. It's very painful. You can beat your head against the wall. Use someone else's <laughs> failure experience. That's right. That's to right. to keep yourself from from running into That's it. It's the beauty of the human race. Somebody's Absolutely. done it before, and you somebody's know, they, screwed it up. They screwed it up. So learn from somebody else's <laughs> mistakes and not your own. So, all right. Well, I think we're going to wrap up today, and uh, we thank you guys for listening. Hope you've. Uh, learned a lot. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. You can find us on ahiproperties.com. Again, that's ahiproperties.com. Just put an inquiry in and Jonathan or myself will be happy to get back with you. Absolutely. And remember to love where you live, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much. The songs Lobby Time, Retro Future Clean, and Rocket Power were created by Kevin McLeod of Incomputech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Visit creativecommons.org licenses by 3.0 on the web.